Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in Hi, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the AJ Podcast. I know that you love it when we have bonus episodes, and I do too, because of all the things that happen during the week, episode release day literally is the slowest thing that just like never, ever comes. And then every other day of the week comes really quickly, and I don't understand why. So here we are, and I'm bringing to you Molly Burney, again, if you remember her from episode something a few weeks ago, she joined us and her and I had such a good chat and you guys loved it too. So she's back. And before we start chatting, I want to give you some context. She 
literally emailed me the other day and she was like, hey, I'm doing this group coaching program. It's called The Living Room. And if there's anyone that you think would be interested, just FYI. And I was like, this is so relevant to all of my people. And I only want to share super relevant things with all of you guys who are dealing with HA. So I was like, will you come on the show? You should sponsor this episode. Come on and we will talk about it. So she's going to answer a bunch of Q&A questions that you guys sent on Instagram. And then we're just going to riff on it. And she's going to also tell us all about this program because I think that it's something that a lot of you guys need. It's not something that the HA Society offers um, specifically. So I'm really excited to share this as a service. So anyway, now that that's out of the way, Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And, and Hey, a bonus episode that feels particularly luxurious. Thank you for the invitation. Um, no, must be nice. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm really delighted to talk about this, um, this program a little bit and, and just any sort of therapeutic coaching work that we're we're involved in is important, and so I'm. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's a, always a courageous act when we can dive in and participate. So, so I want to make this available to folks. Yes. Uh, before we jump into the Q and A questions, can you talk a little bit more about what it is? I know it goes for four weeks. I know it's for women who are like committed to personal growth, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to talk about like. What the hell is personal growth? Why do we need it? And what is like, what are you hoping to give to us through this four weeks? Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm going to speak specifically to, to the HA community in this yeah. case, that the group is not just for HAers, but I, I, ha, being in recovery from HA myself, there's a particular strain of thought process that I think is really common for many, many women. Um, and, and this is sort of what we're looking to address in the conversation, that we all have noise in our heads, that these ideas of who we have to be, what's required, how we need people to see us, how they're not allowed to see us, and the ways in which we go about micromanaging other people's experience of us. Um, and it can be exhausting. And sometimes that's through exercise, sometimes that's through how we dress, it's how we look, it's even the, the language that we choose to use or not use. But there are a number of ways in which we go about kind of curating people's experience of us. And that's not, in my experience, liberated. Um, it, it actually requires a tremendous amount of, of energy and exhaustion. And, um, and I'm, I'm invested in having freedom myself and, and coaching others towards their own experience of liberation from this kind of noise. It's about figuring out how do we work with this noise? I can't make the noise go away. But how do I integrate it? How do I befriend it? And I know that sounds too airy fairy and cheesy and Pollyanna. I promise that's not my fucking style. So if there was any chance uh, that, that this was like saccharine and just came down to, hey, love yourself and you'll feel better, um, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I know. I'll throw you this. What? That's what I love about you. As it's like, I, it's not so much about like so. Where in your body do you feel that feeling? It, yeah, also, you know, just so much like, oh, compassion and like you'll swear as well with me, <laughs> which I don't know, like connects me to you. You're like, you know what? Yeah, fuck that feeling. Totally. I think compassion gets a bad rap. Um, I, I wrote this article um, a while back called uh, A Meditation on Being a Dick to Yourself or A Meditation on Not Being a Dick to Yourself. One, one of them. <laughs> you get the gist. 
And the whole idea is how we've misunderstood compassion to mean like, let yourself off the hook, which I don't know about you, but to me, that was a, a terrifying prospect, especially when it came to recovery from HA, like let myself off the hook. You mean like, let myself go? If that was the terror, I thought that was the only alternative. And that is not the only alternative, that there's an experience of compassionate accountability. And these things go together, um, that we can be incredibly tender with ourselves and still hold ourselves to account, that there's compassion all around. And that's really what compassion is. Uh, I realize we kind of veered off topic here, but it comes back around to how do you actually offer yourself compassion at, about the noise in our heads, about who we think we have to be? So this workshop looks to unpack that and, and create some oxygen around that conversation in an intimate environment, hence the living room. I love it because especially it brings us really nicely into the three questions that we chose for today's kind of ask Molly Q&A type thing. Um, these are all questions that we get a lot. And like, every, I feel like every time I put a question box or whatever on Instagram or someone sends me an email or just whatevs, it's a kind of a combination or a different way to word these three questions. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk with them, talk to you about them because I know that this is the kind of thing that people can also unpack in like when working with you in that group. And also, you know what? Not everyone's going to be able to get in the group. It's only limited amount of spots. So we're going to answer the questions. Yeah. You Let's ready? Do Let's do it. <clears throat> Question number one is from Lawrence. I hope that's how we spell her name. <laughs> Say her name. Bonjour. How to get my recovery to be my number one goal and not my body. Basically a vanity fear of gaining weight because of how I look. Of course, of course, of course. And this is this is the big one for many of us who, um, who discover that HA is the thing that we have to wrestle with, that we're looking at some version of my, my vanity, my body, or in some of our cases, my, my work ethic, and that that has to be compromised if I'm gonna slow down. So essentially, in order for something to change, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, but in order for something to change, something has to become more important than something else. So in, in this idea, in, in order to pursue recovery, the, the experience of recovery would have to be more important to you than the fear of gaining weight or then not gaining weight, or then maintaining your, your vanity or the, the way that you happen to look right now, that the liberation would have to be more important to you than maintaining what you have. And that's, that is courageous. That is courageous, especially since all of the, you know, the, the fear of gaining weight, that there's a sense of that that's going to come with particular consequences. And in our culture, those fears are, gosh, if I gain weight, then I'm going to be irrelevant. I'm going to be inadequate. I'm going to be unsexy that, you know, in some circles, there's even a question of, um, uh, of like social relevance. It, it can be really, really crushing and really terrifying. So we have to break down some of those beliefs. What's really going to happen if I gain this weight? Because what, what we find when I do this work with clients is that these are mostly cognitive distortions. These are mostly thinking errors. 
And when we break that down into like, what are the thought processes that actually go into creating a belief? Like if I don't have abs, I'm not valuable. And I know that sounds kind of silly and reductive, but that was one of my great crushing fears when I was looking at recovery. Um, but I was shooting, I've lost my train of thought. Ah, see, um, but but that, that's that's the gist of it, though, that taking a look at the, the thing we're afraid of and that liberation has to be more important to us than the thing we're afraid of. That's the kind of simple answer. That, there's a lot more in that uh, in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you would then need to, like, unpack what it is that. Yeah, like it, it, that's a specific conversation to each person, like mm-hmm. how to how to liberate yourself, but focusing on on figuring out why liberation is so important to you is like for me and I like I'm a broken record I say this every single time but I just realized that I needed to free up my time to do what I truly needed to be doing Mm -hmm. which was art and my amazing job and this podcast and everything Mm -hmm. and I realized very slowly that like by freeing myself from diet and exercise, I was liberating myself to be able to go and do those things. But for it, but I so understand how like it didn't, I didn't realize that overnight because I didn't know that I was missing those things. Right. 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 Yeah. Love it. Like so much identity wrapped up in our, in our vanity and the aesthetic that we're holding our body into. So to surrender that in and give it up, that leaves a big blank spot. So looking at how to fill that, which is kind of what you did with all of your art and all of your creativity and with this podcast. Um, So yeah, that's, that's another, that's another element. Um, But it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to make recovery the first priority. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a heroic move. Totally. Um, and like a lot of people will say that it's harder when you are not trying to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like those people who aren't trying to get pregnant. Can you hear the lawnmower? I can hear the lawnmower. Oh. It's part of of the Of course this would happen. Okay. Um, yeah, just that if your goal is in pregnancy, it seems to be a lot harder for some people to yeah. make that commitment. Exactly. To, to present this idea of, well, what, what, what am I working for? Am I working just to have a cycle? And what's the value in the cycle? We have to create value for ourselves here. We have to empower that as being a valuable thing to work for, a valuable thing to fight and attain. Um, and that also requires working to consciously disempower things like our own vanity or our belief about who we're, who we are without it, who we are without a particular aesthetic. So I, I often ask questions to clients like, um, would you prefer to have the perfect body or liberation from the whole conversation? And that's a bit of a mindfuck, a question like that, because liberation would actually mean that it didn't matter what kind of body you have. But the question I get most often in response is, hold on, if I have liberation, can I at least be this particular weight? I'm like, hold on, that's not liberation. Oh my God, that is totally me all the time. Just like feeling pretty liberated, but I could be liberated and be like, you know, five pounds down. And then I'm like, then I have to remember, oh wow, like that is just that, that is just that voice in my head that's still living in there that's popping up sometimes. 
but that's yeah. enough for the noise. And and look, even in recovery, my noise is still there. I, I haven't been to the gym in uh, like certainly since I had my son because of the the pandemic. So it's been about five months. I, of course, I've got noise. Of course, but the way I engage with it is really different. First of all, I don't have to believe everything that it's pumping out to me. My brain produces all sorts of ridiculous thoughts, including like, oh, I should write a book, or I should punch this guy, or oh, man, I I may have to make sure I'm not late for this thing all sorts of things. And I get to choose which of those I'm valuing and which I'm not. But that's a discipline, you know, that that takes a lot of work. And it takes prioritizing the recovery, prioritizing the liberation over a lot of the other stuff that we are trained to prioritize, or even more horrifyingly, traumatized into prioritizing sometimes. Ooh. I know. Okay, I love it. I love it. All right. Question number two, from Hillary, how do you deal with essentially mourning the loss of who you used to be? So we talked about this a lot on our episode. I can't remember what it was called, guys, but Molly, I mean, what number it was, but her name is in the episode. If this answer interests you, you should go and listen to us rant for even longer on this subject. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how do you deal with essentially mourning the loss of who you used to be? Well, the first step in that is to adequately mourn who you think you used to be and to do the grieving over that, you know, to, to have some experiences over acknowledging how hard you worked to have whatever body you thought that that required. And that doesn't mean that necessarily that the work was noble or valiant. I know for some people, it includes a lot of personal starvation and that can be really self-destructive. But to at least acknowledge, look, this took a lot of willpower. This took a lot of willpower to put in that kind of work or that kind of restriction or whatever it was. Um, and this is not to glorify or glamorize that, but this is to honor the part of yourself that had to go to work to create a result it wanted. Um, and that's so you can know that you can go to work and create another result. But if we get into sort of the more therapeutic style of this conversation, I'm a former therapist, so I bring all of this work into my coaching. Um, but if we really look at this as a through a therapeutic lens, I want to get curious about, well, who the hell did you think you used to be? And can we also get curious about who else you could be rather than being so myopic and assuming I need to be, or if it's me, I need to have amazing delts. I need to have abs. I need to uh, have people be threatened by when I walk into a room because I need to be physically imposing. What? That's who I've decided I needed to be? We have to have a little bit more imagination here. And look, I'm I'm a a 36-year-old woman. And when I got into recovery several years ago, I, I I really had to challenge myself, like, hold on, hold on. How important is this aesthetic? How much of your identity is tied to this? And it was a humbling amount of it, a humbling amount. So uh, there's certainly an important mourning process that needs to happen. And we get to ignite this, this conversation about, yeah, and what else? What else is there? I love that. That makes me feel so, like, I've had these thoughts before about, you know, fear of of making changes because I'll lose what I have now. And then literally have asked myself, well, what's so good about what you have now? Like, actually sell this to me. And sometimes when I think about, like, you know, going in the other direction and when that voice pops up and it's like, oh, golly, you know, you could just, like – not eat that much and lose a little bit of weight because Mm -hmm. of whatever, you know, just, it's just there. It's just a little voice. I think about how like, yeah, but also remember what that brings you. Like Mm. literally it was, it's uncomfortable. 
in the worst kind of way to restrict yourself of food and what you get from it is not very much like you real and I really had to be real with myself about the actual truth about what it is that I was mourning and I think that we can all create a pros and cons list right and yes you are allowed to have pros on that list if you want to say like I miss this particular aspect like wearing this outfit or something um yeah there, there's, there's, there's totally merit in what we did or else we wouldn't have done it for so long mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It because it, it got us no points you know there was some kind of currency that we did that we did get but it ain't all there is yeah yeah but there's so much more out there there's so much there's, more out there and a, another piece that i want to uh to use to answer this question you know that if we look at this idea of discipline for example i have discipline well if you have discipline it means you have the ability to apply discipline when necessary but if discipline has you all you can do is apply discipline there is no letting off the gas there is you don't have the option to remove discipline from your arsenal you can only be disciplined it's like having the lawnmower on grass which is great and then taking the lawnmower on the carpet which is terrible and taking the lawnmower on the gravel or the football coach who yells on the field and then yells in the line at Starbucks and then yells at home. Like we need more tools than this. So part of mourning the loss of who you used to be and getting curious about who else you can be is what are these qualities and characteristics that I thought I have had that in fact have me, that I'm a hostage to? How do I start exercising a little bit of space here so I can choose when my discipline is appropriate and when my discipline is not appropriate? It's also like clear, clearer to illustrate sometimes with something like loyalty. When is it appropriate to be loyal and when it's appropriate to not be loyal? But if you have to be seen as loyal, you're going to stay in relationships longer than you should. You're just going to stay in business partnerships longer than you should because you have some idea. I'm a loyal person. Well, we coming from an HA background, we are disciplined people. We know how to have discipline. Yeah, but do we know how to not have discipline? That's its own muscle. So that's part of this discovery and... You know, part of mourning who you used to be, the disciplined soul, and getting to expand your value. This isn't like dismissing the value of discipline. It's expanding our value. So we we value discipline and lack of discipline and release from discipline. Anyway, I could go on on that for hours. But hours but yeah, no, I, I like it. That's a big one as well. People are like, I lose my, I feel like I haven't got my self-control and I used to be so disciplined. And it's like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm why does that hold so much weight and so much moral value and so much just yeah merit so love it thank you okay question number three from jenna my wedding is in seven months and i can't get out of the dieting mindset until it's over help so obviously she wants to not but her wedding day is looming over her i suppose Mm -hmm. Right, right. So I'm going to kind of riff on this the way I would if the client was sitting right in front of me. Um, you know, first of all, I, I also want to always offer the option like, look, you, you, recovery is not mandatory. This is not something you have to do. This is not required. So th- th- I really want to invite whoever is having, this is Jenna in this case, this is Jenna's question. Um, I would want to invite Jenna to really be in relationship and be certain that recovery is what she, she wants to work for here. And you know, clearly it is because she asked the question, but I think that's an important thing to pose so that 
we have to reflect on, okay, I, I, I want to apply this now. I want freedom now. So, and I, I think then the next thing I would suggest is, is it possible to do this one day at a time? What if you don't have to commit to a lifetime of escaping the dieting mindset? But if we can give ourselves permission to be out of the dieting mindset for the next 24 hours, at least, and then reevaluate. And I'm not saying that as a trick. This is not a like, yeah, then you're going to accidentally string together a bunch of days in recovery. I mean, genuinely, let's reevaluate it. And what that does is, can we value the part of ourselves that is terrified and not saying, I'm going to put you in a closet and ignore you and just dive forward with you know, my recovery and, and ignore the dieting mindset completely, but honor the part of ourselves that's scared. And like, look, you can be part of this decision-making too. We're going to reevaluate this on a daily basis. And today I choose to separate from the dieting mindset. Tomorrow, let's see. But that's sort of a way something we can metabolize rather than having to commit to a whole lifetime of behavioral change that seems virtually impossible. So So to clarify, is this kind of like a one day at a time kind of thing? I think it certainly can be. And that's not to take an addiction model here, but I certainly think the one day at a time approach allows us to be in relationship with the conversation rather than feeling like we have to completely give ourselves over to this thing that's terrifying. That we can be in relationship with the terrifying thing and be in the conversation and re-examine it and decide today, what's more important today? Is my recovery more important today? Or is maintaining the diet mindset more important today? And at least having having the, the chance to reevaluate that question tends to be enough to quell our fears sometimes and choose another day of recovery. So what would you think about like when we are in the diet mindset, Mm -hmm. we are very much focused on the end result. And because the, a lot of the time, and this isn't the case for, for everybody, but for many people, the process is not very fun and Mm -hmm. we would rather not be particularly present with the process while we just try to get to the goal Mm -hmm. because the process is like hungry tired miserable training three times a week three times a day that kind of thing um where your question is going i love this (laughs) i might i might already forget where my question is going but yeah so is it like we don't want to is it we don't want to approach our recovery that way either where we're like okay the end result is just a period so now i'm going like getting a period so now i'm just going to slug through this mm-hmm. and basically feel the exact same way i did but instead of like hungry and struggling i'm like really full and struggling like i want i want people to create a different experience for themselves around ha and that's kind of what i was getting from what you were saying you articulated that actually way more beautifully than than i could have in the moment so when we're when we're in our gosh when we're not in recovery, you, what you're saying is the focus is results. We are we're focused on the results and we dismiss the process or that you know the process we're sort of trying to numb ourselves through. This is just put our head down and do the work, whatever it happens to be. But in recovery, we're looking to prioritize process over results because if we're really honest about what this whole life thing is that we're doing, it's only process anyway. Results are only a fleeting split second. All of this, I, I mean, this conversation, this is the process of our lives. This is us turning carbon dioxide into oxygen, oxygen into carbon dioxide, back and forth and back. Like this is this is the process. So being present for the process means being present in our lives. 
rather than being completely goal-oriented. Here, here's another tidbit that I love. If we commit to the process, oh, now you're hearing sirens here. This is Venice Boulevard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if we commit to the process rather than the results, then things like failure and skipping days or making mistakes, that's already built in. It's already built in rather than I failed and therefore I'm not going to re reach the, uh, the results that I wanted. If we're committed to the process, that includes days where we're kind of falling off the wagon or where we feel conflicted about recovery. It includes the reservations and hesitation. So yeah, absolutely. This is an invitation to be way more process oriented than result oriented. Love it. Yes. Enjoy the process. Cause actually the process of HA, if you can let yourself enjoy it, <laughs> um, recovering from HA is, uh, can be quite enjoyable. Like you're discovering all these new foods. You're discovering rest. Y'all, I started reading Harry Potter and it changed my life. That a girl. Are you done yet? I am halfway through the final book. Oh my good Lord. Okay. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> I literally like if I if someone was like okay you have one day to make the perfect like recovery program I would just be like just read Harry Potter and just enter this magical world where you're just so engrossed that nothing can upset you and you're only <laughs> having the best time of your life ever on the couch okay I was saying eat, eat all the foods you wouldn't allow yourself to eat before and dissociate with a delicious mystical magical landscape here i love it exactly <laughs> okay so thank you for answering those questions today i appreciate you and i think that was like so much fun and i i just know that so many girls listening just have these problems <laughs> I, I, I get it i relate to it i the, the mentality is so much of, of, of where i come from and um, you know, I had to do a lot of my own personal work unpacking this stuff. So um, if you like, check out my Instagram. It's MB Clinical Coaching. And uh, um, if you have questions, please reach out. Absolutely. But let us not forget about this coaching group. I just really like so many people message me with like, what do I do? I'm really struggling. And I just think that if anything that we talked about today just resonated with you if you think that personal work and this is something I wanted to actually ask you so maybe you can sure. um, touch on a little bit but like and I guess we answered it in the questions too but doing the deep personal work that inner work and not just going with the process of um, eating more and exercising less but doing the personal inner work like why is this important oh because there, are, <laughs> this is this is so something I could just write a thesis on right now, but but I won't. I assure you, the interpersonal work is crucial because this is what actually creates sustainable recovery and sustainable freedom. It, it's one thing to be able to eat the amount of calories that we're told to eat and rest and get our periods back and have that be one biological intervention, but most of us didn't lose our periods because nothing else was wrong. Most of us lost our periods because there was a particular mentality that made our decisions for us. There was a particular um, pathology that went into all of our behavioral choices about how much we worked out and how much we ate and how, how we wore and whether we took the stairs or the elevator and 
all sorts of elements here, which were at play. So unpacking the thought process, and in some cases, the traumas that went into building that pathology that lost us our periods is a crucial part of recovery. There, is that is that concise? <laughs> yes, it was. And I mean, I just can't agree anymore. The process, like the whole getting your period back is easy, but it's the mental work that is actually what's holding us all back. Totally. And, and you all know it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like when you do get your period back, I did get my period back. I did get pregnant. I did have a kid. But the noise is still there. And if we're not doing our work with the noise, then we're going to continue to override our body cues repeatedly. And do you know how much force it takes to ignore body cues? A ton, a ton. And yet we've been doing that for, for years. We've been overriding the natural intelligence of our body, whether it's around hunger or need for rest or any of those things. So yeah, it, we have to take a look at our psycho-emotional patterns here to be able to have some long-term relief from continuing to override the intelligence of our bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's one, if there's like one takeaway from this whole thing, really, it's like, you all know that it's what's going through your head and the stories that you have and the weird, weird, super weird in a dialogue that you're having all of the time and the value that you're placing on things that you don't really understand why you're placing that. But like all of that is what's holding us back most. And that's just why I'm so connected to what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and the people that you want to help. So guys, the link will be in the show notes, but to join your group coaching, how do people join your group coaching? Oh, oh yeah. DM me. Um, and there's also the, I, I'm doing a, a Q&A for the HA platform um, on the, is it 25th or 26th? It is the- on the 26th, but at the time, on the 26th, um, the HA Society is not open for enrollment. So mm-hmm. only any members listening right now, y'all can come to that group. If you want to ever be able to access that, um, it will be a recorded. So new members will be able to like view that, that group, I think. Got it. Got it. Um, and hopefully we'll have you in there for more workshops in the future. So people will want to be in the HA Society and Molly is in the HA Society. So we're all in there. It's a bad opportunity. Yeah, it really is. DM her. DM everyone. DM her. The link's in the show notes. I'm also going to email it out. So if you're on the email list, you'll get it there. And I'm going to post about it on social. So you'll find it. I will just like force her Instagram upon you. So you can find out about the living room. Starts November 12th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it, guys. Thanks, guys. Have an amazing day. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for listening today. And if you want to get involved in the conversation with me, with other amazing women, just like the ones that you hear on the show, I recommend you get on the waitlist for the HA Society. It opens on the new moon of every single month. So if you're not on the waitlist, go to the show notes or just head to waitlist.thasociety.com or thehasociety.com, or wherever you want to go and join on that wait list. And whilst I have you here, I think it would be amazing if you left a review for this podcast. Rate and review the podcast. It helps give me clout, allows me to get more badass guests on the show, and helps other women 
just like you find the podcast more easily when they're searching around the internet or confused why they don't have a period and it can help them find us in our little community that we have right here. Okay, I love you. Have a good one.